Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your live comments and questions. However, we normally don't have enough time to get through all the live comments and questions that get sent in. But if you sent in those questions and tips to support the show and to give us some fun topics, I want to make sure you don't have to wait too awful long to get those questions answered. So we gather up those unused questions and we address them here on companion videos. And uh, that's what we're going to do right now. So let's not waste any time and get right to it, shall we? We're going to start things off here today with uh, Baldi, who writes, Hi, John. So I recently watched Highlander, one of my top 10 all-time favorite movies, uh, for the first time, and I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. I definitely see lots of potential for a remake. Then I watched Highlander 2, and wow, I thought Jaws 4 was the worst sequel ever made until now. Your thoughts on Highlander 2? Well, listen, if you've watched me for any period of time, you know I say there's the unholy trinity of the three worst big Hollywood studio wide release films ever made. And those three films are, in no particular order, Battlefield Earth, Catwoman, and Highlander 2. So yes, I completely agree. Although the first Highlander is in my top 10 all-time favorites, the Highlander 2 is one of the three worst all-time films ever made. And yes, it is absolutely the worst sequel ever made. So I agree with you, Bollywood. I'm glad you watched the first one. All right, next up, we got Remmer Bulldog who writes, Hey, John, I'm so excited to see Shang-Chi this weekend. My question is, is the Shang-Chi spoiler discussion going to be on Sunday? And the answer to that question is yes. We are going to do a full open spoiler discussion of Shang-Chi on Sunday. So that means if you're interested, you've got Thursday night, Friday afternoon, Friday night, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday early afternoon, and then in the mid to late afternoon, we'll do our Shang-Chi open spoiler discussion. So yes, that will be this Sunday and I'm looking forward to this. I can't wait for you guys to watch it. I'm very excited about that. All right, next up, uh, we've got uh, David 27 who writes, Hey John, how should studios separate the serious allegations like army hammer and other allegations that are not as serious, but are dumb mistakes. I mean, just like that. I mean, you, you gotta be able to recognize, look, people do stupid things. You've got to be able to portion out, okay, what stupid things are really, really egregious? You hurt people. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, versus other things that don't. Like, what things are worth dragging the horse out back to shoot behind the barn and what are not? So, yeah, they, they do have to come up with a way to just... Because what happens is in the mob mentality, one error is equal to another. Like, you could catch a guy who's, you know, selling cocaine to school children and 40 of those school children OD. And then you find somebody who says something insensitive about the Italian culture. And the way the online works today, the way the online world works today is that they treat them exactly the same. Like the exact same severity and harshness you'd give a drug dealer to school children where children are ODing is the same uh, sense of harshness that gets given to the guy who says something insensitive about the Italian culture. And while both are stupid and both are dumb, you got to be able to relegate that out and the studios do too. That's just my opinion at any rate. All right, next up. Jonathan writes, 
John, I know how much you hate Fast 9. I really do. It's really bad. It's not that I hate it. It's just that it's very, very bad. It's a terrible, terrible movie, in my opinion, at any rate. Uh, But for me, the more stupid and ridiculous these movies get, the better. I think of it as as drunk movies, wherein you have to be wasted to fully enjoy these movies. For me, that's all right. For this franchise, Um, I see Fast 9 as the height of big, stupid, fun movies where you sit back, don't worry about character or story and just enjoy the stupidity on display. That's why I love these movies. They're a fun diversion from all serious, dramatic movies, which I do love. Okay, first of all, Jonathan, let me say all film is subjective. So if you like Fast 9, I don't only accept that. I celebrate that. That's awesome. I want all film fans to love what they watch. Just because I don't like it doesn't mean I don't want you to like it. If you like it, that's great. I'm still having a very hard time with this thumb. So that's as much of a thumbs up as you get from me. Uh, That's great. But that being said, you don't need to come up with an excuse to justify why you like something. Film is subjective. So all you need to say to me is, you know what, John? I like it. It works for me. I get entertainment out of it. That's all you need to say. And I celebrate that. That's great. What I don't agree with is this whole notion that some people come up with. This, well, you know, you're not supposed to think too hard because let's look again at what you wrote. Um, as big, stupid fun movies where you just sit back, don't worry about story or plot and just enjoy the stupidity on display. Okay, that that's fine if you want to say that. Then, then you can say that about any terrible movie. Any movie that you think is terrible, somebody can say that to you. Somebody can say, ah, oh, don't worry, you're just taking it too seriously, man. It's, it's just a movie, just sit back and relax. Don't worry about story or character or plot or making sense. Don't worry about that. Just sit back and enjoy it. Well, there's got to be something to enjoy. And in Fast 9, there is nothing to enjoy, at least to me. Uh, and my own subjective opinion for you, there was, and your opinion is every equally bit as valid as my own, but you don't need to come up with an excuse for why you like it. You like it. And that's all that matters. So just say you like it and stand on it and, uh, you know, let the film community think whatever they want to think about it. But yeah, I do reject the excuse of, well, it's just a dumb, stupid movie. You just got to not think about it. Just sit back and enjoy it because then what movie can you not say that about? Any movie that you think is the worst movie any ever made, somebody could say those exact same words to you. No, your movie still has to have something redeemable to it. Your movie still has to have some quality to it. And if it had it for you, awesome. But for me, it did not. And to say to people like me that, well, the pro, because what you're saying, Jonathan, and I know this isn't your intention, but what you're saying is, oh, then the problem isn't the movie. The problem is you for watching it. You're just watching it wrong. Excuse me? No, I'm not watching it wrong. It's just bad. No, no, no. It's not bad. You just, you're just watching it wrong. You just got to turn off your brain. Don't worry about story or character or plot about any of that. Just sit back and enjoy it. Because if you're not enjoying it, then the problem's with you. That's not true. That's not true. The problem is the movie isn't good enough to make me enjoy it. It did for you, and that's great. It did not for me. And just as I was saying earlier that you don't need an excuse for why you like it, don't go making excuses for why I don't like it. So the problem isn't me. The problem's the movie. Anyway, that's just kind of my take on it. But at the end of the day, Jonathan, I am honestly really glad you like the film because I want everybody to get entertainment out of these movies, even the ones I don't personally get. So thanks for sharing. All right, next up, Ryan Cleary writes, Hey, John. 
What are your thoughts on the pitiful new Cineplex subscription service? Instead of good value like you get in some U.S. cinemas or Cineworld offers of uh, our, sorry, our Cineworld offers uh, of $9.99 per month for unlimited movies, Cineplex in offering one free movie per month for $9.99. Honestly, I think you're looking at it completely the wrong way, Ryan. Honestly, I think you're looking at this the wrong way. Cineplex is offering a good deal. Now, you know, I have been very, very critical of Cinemaplex over the last number of years because I really think they have become a terrible movie theater company. I really do. They used to be my favorite movie theater company in the world. I now think they are a terrible movie theater company. But that being said, this is a good deal. The plan they're offering right now will save you money if you're a movie fan and you go to one, two, or three movies a month, the plan they have at um, uh, at uh, Cineplex is a good deal that will save you money. Is it as good as the AMC A-list deal? No. Is it as good as the Regal Unlimited? No. But in lieu of anything else, will it save you money? Yeah, it will. And therefore, to me, it's a good deal. And I don't think you should... Here's the problem. We as movie fans, I include myself in this. We are so freaking entitled. We feel so entitled so much that, you know, we think they got to give us the world, but they don't. Cineplex, let's be honest, they don't have to make any kind of a deal, but they have created something that will, especially if you go to see, like I said, two to three movies a month, in the long run, it will save you money. And anything that saves money for the average moviegoer, to me, is a good deal. So you can crap on it all you want. I applaud uh, Cineplex for coming up with this. Could it have been better? Sure. But it also could have been a lot worse. So I know it's going to be surprising for people to hear me say something positive about Cineplex theaters in Canada, but I do think this is a step in the right direction for them. I think it's a good deal. It offers value to moviegoers, value that wasn't there before. And just because they're not doing as good as one as some other movie theater company in some other country, that doesn't take away from the fact that it's still a good deal. So, yeah, let's just call it a step in the right direction. Let's just say that for now. All right. Thanks for writing that in, Ryan. All right. Next up, old Danny Boy writes, I'm so happy that Hollywood is still interested in giving older actors roles in movies. I mean, just Clint Eastwood and Ben. (laughs) Okay. You'd have to have been watching the live streams we were doing from CinemaCon to get this. Just Clint Eastwood and Ben Platt, who's of course starring in that uh, Dear Evan Hansen movie alone, look like they're going to uh, going to do fantastic in their films this year. That's for Aaron. Okay. I'll tell you what, old Danny boy. I'm going to segment this out and send it to Aaron specifically. Thank you for sharing that, man. I, and most of you guys don't understand what old Danny boy's talking about. You had to have seen the live streams from CinemaCon, but I appreciate that old Danny boy. I really do. All right. Uh, uh, JSOP4 writes, Hey, John, I got my Shang-Chi tickets for IMAX Thursday night, but you know the saying, men make plans and God laughs. I got a breakthrough. Oh, no, I'm so sorry to hear about this. I got a breakthrough COVID positive test yesterday, and now I have to quarantine for 10 days. I now have to live like a hermit and avoid spoilers. Dude, I am so sorry to hear that. You know, first of all, good on you for getting vaccinated. Because if you get vaccinated, only roughly about 2% of vaccinated, like out of all the COVID cases that are coming out, only 2% of them, are people who are vaccinated. But that means out of every 100,000 people who get it, 2,000 of those are 
going to be breakthrough cases. The other, of course, benefit to you is that even though you got a breakthrough case, you're probably going to experience much, much more, more mild symptoms than those people who didn't get vaccinated. So good on you for that. But dude, that sucks. But hey, kudos to you for doing the responsible thing. You found out you got it. You're going to quarantine. You're going to protect everybody else around you. Good on you, man. I applaud that. And dude, I'm so sorry to hear they won't be able to see it. Oh, that sucks. But hey, hang in there. You'll get to see it soon enough. All right. Next up, uh, Joel, uh, Joel writes, I should say, Hey, John, I love the show. Thank you so much and hope you're doing well. I am doing great, except for a wrecked up hand. Anyway, I could not have been more excited for Spider-Man No Way Home. Do you think with all of the cameos, the movie could become a little crowded like The Amazing Spider-Man 2? No, I've talked about this a lot. The problem with The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was not the number of characters. Okay? Because you go back to like the original X-Men movie. How many characters did that movie have? A ton. Ton of characters in the original X-Men movie. I mean, even just like villains. You had Magneto, you had uh, Sabretooth, you had Toad, you had Mystique. I mean, so you had all these villains, you had all these heroes filled with, uh, look at uh, Infinity War. I mean, even just the bad guys. You had Thanos, you had the four members of the Black Order. I mean, it's just tons of characters. The problem isn't the number of characters. The problem is knowing how to properly use them all in the right way that serves the story. So in X-Men, Infinity War, they did. In The Amazing Spider-Man 2, they did not. So the problem is not the number of characters. You can have even more characters. It's fine as long as you have a filmmaker who knows how to use them properly. That's going to be the key. So I think Spider-Man No Way Home is going to be just fine. All right. Thanks for writing that in, man. Next up, Garden Variety Vagabond writes, uh, take two, John, Star Wars pop quiz for you should be easy for you. Uh, what actor acted in nine Star Wars movies and one series playing 10 separate roles and also appeared in all Harry Potter movies? Oh, that's easy. Uh, playing four roles and three Narnia films and three roles. That would be Warwick Davis. At least I'm pretty damn sure that was Warwick Davis. I'm, I'm going to say I'm 99% sure the person you are talking about is Warwick Davis, who is, by the way, completely hilarious. I love Warwick Davis. Uh, Breaking News writes, off topic, but have you heard that Cam, the Cam Newton is out of the Patriots? I have. Uh, Mac Jones will start. Has this changed your opinion on the Pat season and where does Cam go next? Uh, Cam goes to be a backup somewhere. Look, I have never liked Cam Newton. You, If you guys follow me on social media, you know I bemoaned the moment I heard he was, uh, uh, he was picked up by the Patriots. I, I really thought Russell Wilson, now follow me here. Russell, Russell Wilson had a lot of drama going on with the Seahawks for a while there. I thought there was an op opportunity for Belichick and Kraft to move heaven and earth to get Russell Wilson to be a Patriot. And I think we'd be talking, I mean, maybe not necessarily Super Bowl contenders, but definitely playoffs, definitely playoffs, division contenders. And we're talking winning divisions, not just like, not just wild card, card spots. But Cam Newton is just a dude who, look, he's got all the physical talents. He's got all the physical weapons, but he doesn't have it up here. You, When you look at a Patrick Mahomes, you see a guy not just with all the pure athletic gifts. You see a guy who can read, analyze, and make like fraction of a second decisions, good decisions. He understands the scenario, and then he's able to utilize his physical weapons. Same with a guy... Um, uh, oh, who else was I going to mention there? I've already mentioned the Seattle quarterback, Kansas City quarterback. I mean, but but it's true. 
You look at like a guy like the goat of all goats, right? The goat, he's got it. Brady, it's all up here. Cam Newton's got way more physical weapons than Tom Brady does, but Brady's got it up here. Patrick Mahomes, I think Cam Newton has all the physical weapons that Patrick Mahomes does, but Patrick Mahomes has got it up here. Russell Wilson, I, I think Cam Newton is even is more physically talented than Russell Wilson is. But Russell Wilson is an infinitely better quarterback because he's got it all up here. And, and that's why when they picked up Cam Newton, I was like, oh, no, this guy, this guy does not make good decisions on the football field. He just doesn't. And um, now, so they moved on from him. Good. Mac Jones is there. It's impossible to say how many this next quarterback is going to be the next Joe Montana. Have we seen come out and then disappeared out of the NFL in three years? Who knows? Maybe he's the next Patrick. Maybe Mac Jones is the next Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's going to be a different quarterback than Patrick Mahomes, but the next guy who comes out and just wrecks the league, you know what I mean? Or he'll be the next Ryan Leaf who comes and goes. So I don't know. We'll have to see how he starts to pan out. Let's give him a year or two to see how he really does, though. All right. Thanks a lot for bringing that up, man. Next up, we've got uh, Put Some Dirt in Your Eye Rights. In the original Spider-Man films, Raimi really had a thing for screaming women in tight clothes. <laughs> I think it's his horror background, but it makes me wonder if Doctor Strange 2 will have that sort of thing. Uh, Mary Jane and Gwen's most memorable lines were, uh, well, I mean, that's that's completely unfair and that's not true. It's completely unfair and it's not true. It's true to say that happened in those movies, but it's not true and it's disingenuous to pretend like that's the only contribution either of those characters made to those movies. It's not true at all. Now, if you want to cherry pick one or two movies Raimi has done, you could do that with Clint Eastwood and say, oh yeah, Clint Eastwood likes to, uh, likes to murder crippled people. That's what Clint Eastwood likes to do. Clint Eastwood thinks handicapped people should be put down and put to sleep. Why the fuck would you say that? Well, look at Million Dollar Baby, right? That's, that's what he did in Million Dollar Baby. I mean, so you can't cherry pick one or two films. And yes, there was a lot of damsel in distress being dangled from a high place in the spider and Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Yes. But those characters made a much bigger contribution than just those. So you shouldn't oversimplify it like that. All right. Next up, Scott Brown writes, I asked a question about great movies with bad sequels that shouldn't have been made. And you said, analyze that. Yeah. Animal analyze. That was terrible. And made me think of all the comedies with terrible sequels, Caddyshack, Zoolander, hangover. I wonder why they don't work the second time around. Well, I mean, it's, Here's the thing, Scott. It's the same principle about why most sequels don't work and why a lot of movies don't work. Making a good, entertaining movie is insanely hard. There are so many film fans that like to pretend like it's just the easiest thing in the world. Oh, just, just go make a good movie. It's just so easy. It's just so easy, right? A lot of film fans just assume making a good movie. It's not. It's ridiculously hard. And when you can catch lightning in a bottle like Analyze This, or you can catch lightning in a bottle like Zoolander, or uh, The Hangover, or Caddyshack, I mean, that's great, but it doesn't mean you're going to be able to repeat it. You still face a big mountain, the daunting, monumental, Herculean task of making a good, particularly a comedy, funny movie. It's hard. Not a lot of comedies do it well. It's been done well, but not a lot of comedies can follow up with sequels that are also really funny. It's it's a hard thing to do. So it's not like you have to look for an excuse as to why it fails. 
quite often they fail because it's easy to fail, man. It, it's really hard to make those movies. And when you have movies that are great, like the, all the originals you mentioned, it makes it that much more difficult. It makes it that much more difficult. Anyway, thanks for pointing those ones out, Scott. Uh, next up, we got Mike who writes, I don't know if it's just me or has the internet or has the internet ruined the surprise factor of entertainment. Oh, I also want to say how I love your movie. Oh, thank you so much, man. What is your favorite trailer and your worst? And out of those movies, or you're asking an awful lot of questions, Mike. And out, well, I mean, my favorite trailer, I think the greatest trailer of all time, when you look at what a trailer is and what a trailer is supposed to do, I still believe the greatest trailer ever is the first trailer for Star Wars, The Phantom Menace. That's the greatest trailer ever made, period, end of sentence. I hate the movie, but it is the greatest trailer of all time. That trailer changed the entertainment industry. And if you want to know how, go and watch my movie. It's called Movie Trailers, A Love Story. Just search for it online, Movie Trailers, A Love Story. You can watch it if you live in the U.S. or the U.K. or stuff like that. Just find it on Amazon. Search for Movie Trailers, A Love Story and go see how The Phantom Menace is the most important movie trailer ever made. Anyway, um, as far as has the internet erased surprise, it's made it harder because look, um, I actually have my phone on me right now. You know, everybody in the world now, everyone in the world walks around with a global audio-visual communications device in their pocket. Everybody in the world, just about, has a global audio-visual communication medium device right in their pocket and can share something that will be literally around the world in seconds. It's tough to keep things secret, man. I mean, that's why when, like, The Mandalorian Season 2 had its finale and Luke Skywalker shows up... It caught everybody surprised because how they kept that secret, I have no idea, man. I have no idea how they kept that secret, but they did. So it makes it really glorious when it does. But yes, it, the internet has made it much more difficult to keep secrets. It really has. And that is too bad because we lose a lot of the secrets we go into the movies with. But you know what? It's, it's a double-edged sword. On the one side, we have fandom who is dying to find out anything they can. But then the other side of that sword is that, oh, but we don't want to know anything. Oh, why did that get spoiled for us? Well, you're ravenous. You're always looking for all the information, anything you can. And when you can't find it, you'll make shit up. But then on the other hand, we cry and bemoan that, you know, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword, man. It's a double-edged sword. All right, next up. An anonymous viewer writes, Hey, John, since you've seen Shang-Chi, uh, what's the best screen to watch Shang-Chi on? I want to buy a ticket, but I'm not sure whether to go IMAX or not. Well, listen, it, I'm always going to give the same answer. I love IMAX. Don't get me wrong. If the if the, your option is a regular movie theater or an IMAX, go IMAX. I love IMAX. Can't go wrong with IMAX. At the same time, I personally prefer Dolby AMC theaters the most with their dual laser projection system, their Dolby Atmos sound, the leather recliners. To me, the AMC Dolby viewing experience is the best experience in the industry. Their AMC might be a total moron, their AMC. AMC CEO, listen, if you're going to call somebody a moron, don't say the wrong three letters. Little life lesson for you there, folks, like what I just did. But uh, yeah, I mean... AMC's CEO, Adam Aaron, may be a complete blithering moron. And he is. He's a complete blithering moron. The guy's an idiot. The guy's an absolute imbecile. Uh, that being said, they have the best, the, they have the best movie-going experience, in my opinion. 
I think the AMC Dolby Prime theaters with that big combination, the dual laser projection, the Dolby Atmos sound, the motorized leather recliners, to me, that is the best movie watching experience there is. And I would always take that over IMAX myself. You can't go wrong with IMAX, but I would personally choose that one myself personally. So yeah, there you go. That's me. All right, next up. Uh, Rose Twins 2 by 2 writes, Theory. Charles and Eric work for a men in black type agency, uh, more secretive than S.H.I.E.L.D. or HYDRA, Department of Mutants, uh, W.E., whatever that means, uh, covering up mutant happenings, a falling out or whatever event breaks down the agency in secrecy. Maybe this will explain. I don't know, man, that's that's changing an awful lot about the mythology of mutants and, and the X-Men and stuff like that. I mean. I'll tell you what, Rose, what that sounds like is a good episode of What If. That actually sounds like a pretty good episode of What If, but it messes a lot with the original mythology of the story. So I would personally lean against it, but full marks to you for thinking creatively. All right. Michael writes, John, how do you think Marvel Studios will introduce Wolverine? No idea. Uh, We all know he's coming to the MCU, but how? He's such a long-lived character. Where has he been all this time? How will they explain that? Thanks. Uh, Again, listen... I have no idea how they're going to do anything with mutants. None. There's no good answer. I mean, that's, I feel confident saying that right now. There's no good answer to it. Whatever way Kevin Feige just chooses to bring mutants and X-Men into the MCU, it's going to have problems. It just is. And then we as an audience are just going to have to go, yep, that sucks. But now they're here. Let's just go with it. Because if you say they're brand new, you ruin the the mythology of the X-Men. If you say they've been there the whole time, that makes no freaking sense with everything that's been going on in the history of the MCU. Then you got this ridiculous multiverse nonsense. So that that's not a good option either. The, the real the reality is here is Kevin Feige has no good options. Any option he chooses is going to have drawbacks. And we as an audience are just going to have to accept that any option he chooses is going to have drawbacks. And we're just going to have to accept those drawbacks. We're just going to have to accept them and then move on. So, and that applies to Wolverine as well. No idea how they're going to introduce him. But that's going to be tied in more generally to how on earth they're going to bring all the X-Men and mutants into it. It's, It's a tough one, man. It's a tough one. And I'm not going to pretend like I have the, a good answer because I don't. I haven't, I've yet to hear a good answer. Even of all the great theories you guys have sent into me, I've yet to read one good possible solution. I haven't read one good one yet. I haven't come up with a good one yet either myself. I mean, a lot of the solutions you guys have come up with are better than any I've come up with, but I haven't come up with any good ones either. So we'll just have to see the way they handle it, man. We'll just have to see the way they handle it. All right, next up. Dangerous D writes, Hey, John, the Suicide Squad flopped at the box office. Yes, but I think Warner Brothers might make a sequel. Reasons. Number one, they want to lure James Gunn into the DCEU. Two, Warner Brothers knows they effed up putting this thing on HBO Max. That's true. Three, the pandemic. Four, critics and fans love the movie. What do you think? Well, listen, Dangerous D, I've said this whole time. There is one chance that Suicide Squad has of getting a sequel. One chance. And that chance is discovery. Remember, discovering is discovery is taking over Warner Brothers. They're going to be owning Warner Brothers here pretty soon. In the next few months, they're going to be the new owners of Warner Brothers. And the CEO of Discovery has 
a pretty damn good track record of creating success. And our one hope for another Suicide Squad movie is that the chairman, the CEO of Discovery is going to go, listen, that movie was great. If the former ownership didn't F it up so badly, this movie should have been a moneymaker. And we believe done right and supported well and not fucking put on day and date release at the same day on HBO Max and stab the filmmakers in the back. If we do this right, we believe a second Suicide Squad movie could be profitable because you're right. The critics and the fans that saw it loved it. So why not? I mean, obviously not everybody. No film has everybody love it. But the vast, vast, vast majority of critics, the vast, vast, vast majority of audiences love Suicide Squad. So our only hope of getting another one is that the CEO of Discovery is a visionary. And he seems to be. So here's hoping, man. But then again, James Gunn may not want to do it now. I mean, James Gunn, uh, listen, Warner Brothers is going to let him do whatever he wants to do. If he wants to do another Suicide Squad movie under Discovery, I think they'll let him do it. Maybe. We'll see. But I'm not even sure James Gunn would want to do that. I think he may want to do something a little bit different now. Whether that's a Superman or whether that's a Lobo or whether that's a whatever. I think they'll, he might want to do something else. But again, there's a chance. There's a chance, Dangerous. All right, next up. We got Matthew K. who writes... Uh, do you know if the upcoming Lord of the Rings series will utilize the style of the original trilogy or more of the CGI heavy Hobbit trilogy? I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. I am a much bigger fan of the former. I feel the Hobbit trilogy lost a lot of its authenticity due to over-reliance on CGI. Completely disagree. I think you're wrong about that. Listen, the Hobbit trilogy lost a lot because it just wasn't, they just weren't as good. It's just that simple. Even Peter Jackson talks about that. The Hobbit trilogy just, just isn't as good. The storytelling, the pacing, the way they structured the narrative where you had all, like a third film that was all payoff with no setup whatsoever. And it was just, you had these characters coming on screen that literally we as an audience hadn't seen them on screen together in like two years. And we're supposed to feel the dramatic tension that just wasn't there. I mean, listen, I like, and I say this as somebody who likes the Hobbit films. I like them, but they're a far cry from the glory of the Lord of the Rings. And the problem was not CGI. And by the way, you say that as if like the Hobbit had five times the visual effects as Lord of the Rings did. Don't forget how much of Lord of the Rings was CGI. They had an ass load of practical effects, but they also did an ass load of CGI. And listen, it's one of my favorite films of all time. So I can tell you this, the visual effects supervisor of both the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, he pointed out there were 18,000 shots. According to him, 18,000 visual effects shots in the Lord of the Rings films. Some people talk as if there would be like triple or quadruple or five times. There really wasn't. There was like less than 20% more. I think it was like 18,000 Lord of the Rings, like 22,000 in The uh, the Hobbit, if I remember his, his uh, interview properly. Long the short of it is this. There wasn't as much of a difference in the use of CGI from the original Lord of the Rings films to The Hobbit films. There really wasn't. The Hobbit films were a big step down. But it wasn't because of CGI. It wasn't because of CGI. There was a hell of a lot of CGI in the first uh, in the in the original Lord of the Rings films. A hell of a lot of them. The problem is they just happen to be used better. 
they had a better plan. They remember there was a lot of chaos surrounding the Hobbit films that we don't have enough time to go into. They swapped directors out. Peter Jackson had to end up directing them when he never intended to direct them in the first place. He wasn't really mentally there the whole time. He talks about that a lot. It's just, it wasn't done as well. And I, I think that's it. I think it's a real, real big oversimplification to just burn it down to that because there really wasn't that big of a difference percentage-wise in the amount of shots done in The Lord of the Rings versus done in The Hobbit. That's that's just kind of my take on it. All right, next up. Uh, JDM writes, Hi, John. With all the talk of Charlie Cox maybe being in Spider-Man No Way Home, by the way, there's been no legitimate, no real legitimate report of that. Just throwing that out there. Of uh, Charlie Cox maybe being in Spider-Man No Way Home made me want to check out the Netflix show. Oh, I'm assuming you meaning you mean Daredevil. I'm halfway through season two and I'm blown away by it. I love its grittiness and Kingpin was great. Well, Vincent D'Onofrio was born to play Kingpin. I mean, come on. Vincent D'Onofrio was born to play Kingpin. Anyway, uh, it's greatness and Kingpin was great. What were your thoughts on the show? Loved it. I, I, I loved Daredevil. I thought it was fantastic. Not the best superhero show of all time, but certainly in the discussion, it was utterly fantastic. I loved it. And I'm glad you're getting around to enjoying it too, JDM. All right. Raymond Verrata writes, it's great you brought up the Chinese language. Most mainland Chinese speak this. For those of you who don't know, earlier in today's show, Somebody asked if the Chinese being spoken in Shang-Chi is Cantonese or Mandarin, and I honestly didn't know the answer to that. Uh, a bunch of people, I think, said it was Mandarin. Anyway, uh, Raymond writes, uh, it's great that you brought up the Chinese language. Most mainland China uh, Chinese speak Mandarin. Hong Kong Chinese speak Cantonese. Most elder Chinese immigrants, San Francisco, speak Cantonese. Succeeding generations speak Mandarin. Southern Chinese speak a word I've never even heard before. So, yeah. There you go. Like, and I don't even understand the difference. Like, can is, is Mandarin and Cantonese like literally two different languages? Like, if two people are in a room, I honestly I don't know the answer to this question. If two people are in a room, one is speaking Cantonese and the other speaks Mandarin, will they literally not have any idea what the other is saying? Or is it just like a slight dialect difference? I honestly don't know. I'm honestly asking you guys. I don't know the answer to that. I would love to learn. Please, uh, please let me know. Thanks for bringing that up, Raymond. All right, next up, uh, Liad Weinberg, re, oh, Liad, it is Liad, I was going to say Liad, okay, Liad Weinberg, Weinberger writes, hi again, the point in my previous question was that Disney won't debut non-Sony characters in a Sony film, anyways, uh, started binging uh, Kim's Convenience, thanks to you, Kim's Convenience is so great, uh, great show, also super excited for Shang-Chi on Friday, keep up and bring on the filthy, well thank you so much for that, but listen, it is true that Spider-Man No Way Home is technically a Sony film, but it is taking place in the MCU, right, it's taking place in the MCU, so they could totally introduce characters in this that they will use and continue to use in the MCU moving forward. Right? Like they used Iron Man in the Spider-Man films. That doesn't mean Sony suddenly owns Iron Man. They don't. So I think they totally can. I mean, you might be right about that, Liad. You, you might be right, but I still, I think it's still something that's totally open to them. and still something they could do whether they will or not. We're only a couple months away from finding out. Thanks for throwing that in, dude. All right, next up. BK Dan writes, John, Expendables and Red Crossover. Nope, never happened. Uh, what are the odds? Zero. Uh, do you think that it'll happen anytime in four to five years? It'll be announced, pitched over zero. Absolute zero percent. I really like Red. 
But like the first Expendables, the franchise went downhill massively. Like, I'll have to look it up. So for those of you who don't know, Red is a Bruce Willis movie. I really like it. It's but an R-E-D. Red stands for Retired Extremely Dangerous. Um, let me see if I can find the thing. This. So the first movie, Red, uh, was a real box office pleasant surprise. It made $200 million at the worldwide box office on like a 50-something million dollar budget, which is great. Red 2, though, was awful awful how did it do at the box office it dropped like 25 percent of its box office it was more expensive to make at over 80 million and it made about 25 percent less at under 150 million so yeah so its decline is like this the expenses went up the decline went down and the movie was terrible i don't think there's like forget forget just the idea of an Expendables Red crossover, I don't think there's any chance for another Red movie at all in any shape or form. There's absolutely no reason to believe it would make any box office money whatsoever. Zilch, and listen, as somebody who loves the original Red movie, I have no desire to see it again either. Bruce Willis clearly doesn't give a shit anymore. Bruce Willis stopped caring about movies and acting ages ago. And now he just shows up to movies, collects paychecks, and sleepwalks through them. Which is too bad, because he's a great actor, but he just clearly doesn't give a shit anymore. So, if he doesn't give a shit, why should I give a shit about his movie? So, I have zero interest in it, and I don't think anybody does, really. So, I'm going to say, BK Dan, the chances are absolute zero. All right, Fanimator writes, Which MCU Phase 4 project was better, WandaVision or Shang-Chi? That's, here's the thing. That's like saying, what's better? 40-year-old virgin or Godfather? Well, they're completely different kinds of movies, right? They're totally, utterly, completely different types of movies. Both are at the top of the heat of their respective genres, but they're completely different movies. Now, obviously, I'm not going to say that 40-Year-Old Virgin is one of the greatest motion pictures of all time and The Godfather is, but I mean, it's kind of like that. Look, all I'll say is this. If I only had the chance to either watch WandaVision again or watch Shang-Chi again, I would probably watch Shang-Chi again, but that all just depends on your preferences and tastes because WandaVision is awesome. I love WandaVision. Absolutely adore it. And it's great. But you know, one's a movie, one's a TV show. One's more of an action adventure. One is more of a mystery. I mean, they're two totally different things. So it's, it's really difficult to say one way or the other. Okay. Let's move on here. Next up, BK Dan writes, uh, John, now that Amazon and Jeff Bezos own MGM, what do you think uh, of time? What do you think of timeline till we see a new Stargate One series? Uh, Brad Wright, the showrunner, has been saying on his Twitter, "I'm working on something." I don't know. To be honest, I I think people who say there's definitely going to be another Stargate are, even though there have been some things said that sort of back it up, I think that's being overly optimistic. Listen, I think they should do another Stargate. Frankly, I think they should reboot Stargate. I can already feel the anger coming from the no, you just think well, no, no. I honestly think the best thing for Stargate right now is to do a clean reboot of it. the The mythology and the world of Stargate is so rich and so great. However, it's the way they played it out with the Stargate SG SG One universe. Because remember, it wasn't just Stargate SG One. 
It was Stargate SG-1, then it was Stargate Atlantis, then there was Stargate something else with them floating around in outer space. I can't remember the name, what they called it. And there was some other things as well. It's played out. So just like they rebooted Stargate to do to the TV show from the original movie, I think it's time to reboot it. And I hope they do. Uh, When? Not sure. But I really do think they should because I think it's a really good big potential franchise. But you need to start from scratch. It had already, the, the other story iteration of it has been played out and is done. And hear me. I know this is not what you want to hear, but you need to hear it. If you are a diehard fan of that Stargate franchise that has been on TV for a long time, ever since MacGyver was the lead of it, the reality is if they just make another sequel series, that's all who's going to watch it. That's all who's going to watch it are the already pre-existing finite numbers Stargate fan base. You're not going to grow it. All right. So that's why I really think this is too rich of a story, too rich of a universe. Start it from scratch again and make it their own. And hopefully they'll do that and hopefully it'll be pretty good. So fingers crossed. All right. Next up, BK Dan writes, John, got to let you know that Star is a Disney Plus property internationally. Yeah, I had I reread that question afterwards and then it made sense. But in the way that that question was written into the John Campbell show earlier, it almost like they were saying Star as in a guy who's a star of a show. And I just read it that way. At any rate, got to let you know that that Star is a Disney property internationally, particularly UK and Australia. Disney Plus in the U.S., Uh, A has four choices internationally has the fifth option star because Hulu isn't in those countries. Yeah. And of course, a lot of people in India have used star for a long time. So yes, absolutely right. Okay. Next up Fanimator writes buy one, rent one, lose one, uh, one fast nine thunder force and snake eyes. Uh, that's actually pretty easy. Snake Eyes is a bad movie, but it's got a good performance by Henry Golden, uh, Golden, Henry Golding, a really good per- performance by Andrew Koji. I think that's the guy's name who played Snake, uh, who played uh, Storm Shadow in it. Really good performance by him. Um, some of the martial arts was pretty good. Overall, it's a bad movie, but there was redeemable qualities about it. So I will buy Snake Eyes. Thunder Force is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life, so I will lose that one. Fast 9 was just a bad movie. Not one of the worst movies of all time. It was just a bad movie, so I will rent that. So I will buy Snake Eyes, rent Fast 9, lose Thunder Force. All right, Jay Bling writes, I've listened to the happy-go-lucky tracks from uh, Christoph Beck's Free Guys score lately because even though I roll my eyes at corny rom-com style music, Free Guys melodies struck a chord. Wink with me. I don't know what that means. Uh, and we're living in garbage times right now. I, get, I have no idea what the wink means, Jay Bling, but I will say this. Uh, Free Guy is just a delightful movie. I haven't sat down and listened to the soundtrack of it personally, just to be honest. But I remember the music working really well in the movie. So I should probably sit down and give a listen to the soundtrack, as a matter of fact. But guys, if you haven't seen Free Guy yet, check it out. It'll put a smile on your face. It'll put a smile on your heart. Watch it. It's a fun, fun, fun movie. Anyway, I I really love it. All right. And our final question of the day, and then we are all caught up on all the questions that came in right up until the end of today's John Campia show. And this comes to us from an anonymous viewer who writes, 
Uh, shout out to fans of CBS's MacGyver reboot who organized a con to support their Save MacGyver campaign. The stars, writers, and showrunners were some of the guests that took part. They raised over $4,000 for cancer research. Campaigns like this are fandom bright spots. Eh. Okay, okay look. Look, let me, let me say this. And first of all, kudos to any fans of anything trying to save a property they love. That's awesome. I never watched the new MacGyver. I, I'll be honest with you. I never watched the new MacGyver. Okay. That being said, let me say this. I, anything that gets money to charities is a good thing. All right. So let me just say that right up front. Anything that gets money going to charities is a good thing. And that's great. And I celebrate that. But I also want to see more from the fan community. Like that's look, and it's great. I sound like I'm being grumpy and I don't hate MacGyver. I, I never watch it, but I don't hate the MacGyver TV show or anything. Like that. I'm just saying it would be nice to see the fan community organize more often to raise money for good causes when it's not for something that they selfishly want. So it's great that they raised money for cancer research. That is awesome. I'm not, try I'm not trying to take anything away from that, even though it sounds like I am. I'm really not. But what I would really like to see is a fan community get together when they're not trying to do something for themselves. Like, forget MacGyver. It would be great just to see MacGyver fans get together. We're not trying to save the show. We're just, we're getting together to raise money for cancer research because it needs it. You know, I, I just think the fan community should be doing that more often. And... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the, but again, it's great that they decided to to take a part of their big campaign trying to save a show that they love and to use a part of that to also raise money for charity. That's great. I, I just would like to see fans be more proactive just to do something to raise money instead of using their money raising as a feather in their cap to support their cause, which is to save a show. Now that's me being really skeptical, isn't it? That's me being that's me being like uh, Statler and Waldorf kind of level pessimistic up in the boo box. I know it totally does, but I would just like I'd like to see these these types of stories come out more where fan communities are just doing that just for the hell of it, not as a way to make their cause look even better. Uh, again, and I, eh, ignore me. I'm just being grumpy. I think, but. I just, I just think the fan community can be so powerful and so influential that we don't need a, hey, like, I don't need to go, you know what, guys, I'm trying to raise awareness for Henry Cavill to come back as Superman, which everybody knows I want. But um, so for that, we're going to talk about getting Henry Cavill back as Superman. And we're going to raise some money for charity at the same time. That would be great. But wouldn't it also be great if we just said, hey, you know what, guys, there's this cause that really needs help. So we're just going to do it. Has nothing to do with Henry Cavill. Has nothing to do with me wanting him back as Superman. Has nothing to do with any of that. Wouldn't that be great? I just think we as a fan community can wield so much power for good that it'd be nice to see us wield it when it's not just for our own, uh, for our own interests. And again, it sounds like I'm, I'm criticizing the people who raised $4,000 for cancer. And I don't mean it to sound like that. Forgive me if it is, but I'm just saying, I, I want to see more from the fan community. I want to see more from, from us. I think we need to do better. 
I think we need to do more. Starting with me. I think we need to do better. I think we need to do more. And it's great that that happens. But again, I'm just getting tired of only seeing fan communities rally to raise money when it's really to support something that's in their interests. You know, we need to do better than that. And I, I just kind of want to see us do it. And, you know, I, I put myself front center center. I got to do better at that, too. I, I need to do better at that. Anyway, that's just my thought on it. That's just my thought on it. Anyway. Guys, that'll do it for this installment of the companion videos. Thank you so much for joining me for this big special. Thank you to all of you guys who sent in these comments and questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the John Campus show. Thank you guys very, very much for your support. Don't forget the John Campus show returns again tomorrow with me and Robert Meyer Burnett. We're working on stories as we speak until then guys. Thanks a lot for being here. Remember to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me guys. My name is John Campion until next time, my friends. Bye-bye.